0: We're not going to just be a little club, just keeping it to ourselves, but we're to, we to share the world through the world. And so there's a two, two aspects of what we call koinonia. This last couple of months, we've been going through the chapter 11 of Hebrews, and it's where we look at different individuals that were highlighted as being people of faith. And they're to be examples for us. We have this cloud of witnesses around us that should help us in our walk and following the Lord. And so we looked at several of these individuals. And so just to highlight, you can see, they had hope in God's promises because what God says will happen. And so they had this hope. Then they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They trusted in God's Word. Jesus is the Word of life. He is the Word. And so we can have our faith in that and endurance. All these people that were going through uh, different trials or life experiences... They had, their, had to endure life. And so this is just one little phrase from chapter 10. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which, was a, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done well the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but those who have faith in the persevering of the soul. And so here we're being encouraged not to give up, not to let go of what God's given. And so we're going to look at just one passage in Hebrews chapter 10 today. And it's going to be uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. I'll read through it. And then I'm going to briefly highlight about six things, and then we're going to kick off this uh, series next week, starting with what it means to be fellowship, a fellowship. Koinonia is a Greek word that we translate to mean fellowship, community, gathering together. And so that's uh, what we're going to be talking about. What does it mean to be in the fellowship of the believers, in the fellowship of Christ, in the community of faith. How do we live that out? So let's read this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, And with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur on one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, And all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is what we're going to look at just for a few moments this afternoon. And the first two points I would like to have addressed here is we're going to look at the foundation of what it means to be in Christ. It's not based upon how good you are or how good I am or what I can do. It's what Christ has done. Christ has laid the foundation. Christ is the one that makes it possible. It's not you or I that can earn our way to have a relationship with God. And so, the first is, this... Whoa, wait a minute, is that... The, I went really quick there, didn't I? That really quick... Bam! Okay, that was supposed to be a two-slider, but it's... Uh, okay, having access. We have access. It says right here, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is, His body. So here we have access to whom? The presence of God. Why do we have that access? It's because what Christ has done. Christ is the advocate for us. He's the one that has made it possible for us to come before the Father. And so the Jewish religion and tradition made, is made obsolete by Christ. It's superior to. When we look at the first part of, of Hebrews, the first nine chapters is talking about how Christ is better than the angels or man. Christ is better than, than any of the priests, the Levitical priesthood. Christ is better than the covenant, the Moses covenant. He's better than that. And then Christ is better than a sacrifice. All the sacr- sacrificial system that they would go to the temple and offer the bulls and the lambs and the doves, uh, that was a symbol of what Christ was going to do. So Christ is the one that has fulfilled this. And what is happening in this context, a lot of people that the writer is writing to the Hebrews, they're believers, they're followers of Christ, but they're coming from the Hebrew, the Jewish tradition. And many were being tempted because of persecution and difficult times of going back to the old traditions. And so he's saying, well, no, no, Christ is superior. Christ has made it obsolete. He has made it to where he is the fulfillment of the promises that we read in the Old Testament. And so the reason we have access is not because of how good I am or how good you are or how you can work is because of what Christ has done. The second is we have an advocate. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, well, who's that great advocate? That's Christ. He's the one that intercedes for us. He's the one that makes that way possible. And he's the one that communicates to God for us. So we have an advocate that stands up and defends us. And so we don't defend ourselves. We're clothed in Christ. We're, and he's our defender. And so because that those first two are the foundation. It's not, again, based upon how good or great I am. Or, or who my parents were. Or who, well, what church I go to. Or what uh, club I belong to? No, it's because of what Christ has done. And so, now that we know this, what should we do? Well, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And this particular word means continually doing it. It's in, you don't just do it once. I don't just kind of try to draw near to God once. No, it's my continual uh, lifestyle is I'm drawing near. drawing every day, every moment. Draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance that faith brings. Okay, so where do you put your faith? Well, you're putting your faith in the Christ, in Jesus Christ. He's a trustworthy person to put our faith in. So it's where we can come there with full assurance that we put our faith and trust in God. He's going to do what he said. And so draw near, come close to him. And then once we draw near and we have this relationship with Him because our hearts are sprinkled and cleansed from a guilty conscience having our bodies washed in pure blood, these symbols that we have of the sprinkling of the Holy Spirit upon us that made us now have this relationship with Jesus. With, through, uh, in Christ, we now have a relationship with God. We're part of the family. And we're cleansed because of when we confess. What does He do? He cleanses us because of His blood. And so we're clean. We're, pre- we're pure before God because of what Christ has done. And then let us hold fast. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess. For he who promised is faithful. Now, we've been having some challenging times in life. Each of us have that. Like, for example, uh, I remember uh, there was a plan of doing a certain thing. And some circumstances came up where it was impossible to to complete it. And so I was disappointed. A lot of us, how many have made plans... And they just didn't get fulfilled. You know, that happens like every day. But you know what? The promises that God makes, he fulfills. We can see that through the testimony of the Old Old and New Testament. So we can project that into the future. Well, because he was faithful in the past, he is going to be faithful in the future. And so we can put our faith and trust there. So hold fast to that. Even though at times in life can be difficult. When we read the first part of chapter 11 in Hebrews, the first 10-12 people, these are all stories that are positive. They won everything. Lions were, mouths were shut. Uh, Armies were defeated. Uh, People were saved. And so that's great. Those people's lives were just fantastic. But then you read the second part of the chapter. Well, they were thrown in prison. They were beaten. They lost their lives. And so, God is not promising us to have a life that's simple, but or easy, or with no problems, but He's given us assurance that He's going to be with us through that time. And also, we'll, He'll hold us fast to Him so we, we can have a hope that we'll possess. And He who promised is faithful. So, He's promised us that we will come through. So, we have to hold fast to that. And I turned the whole thing off. And we go to Macbeth. Okay. Now, now, since we know this is true, and let us consider how we stir one another on t- towards love and good deeds. So you know what? It's just for you. You want to get everything and keep it to yourself. No. I'm supposed to be encouraged, but I'm also supposed to encourage you. Each other. So, being a Christian, being one a father, follower of Christ, is not... For one only personally. You're part of a body. You're supposed to encourage and build up others. And so don't just keep it for yourself. Thinking, oh, I can be a perfect Christian. It's just other people. They have a problem. I can do it, right? Like, for example, uh, how many people have joined a club? Usually when you join a club, you can join it and you know who's in the club. And sometimes you won't join a club because there's a certain person in there. And so you won't join that club, you join another club. Well, (coughs) how many can do the same thing with your family? Normally you can't do that. You're just born in a family. Those sisters and brothers you have are really weird. Your mom and dad, what's going on? You can't choose your family. You're born into it. And so when we come to a church, there's some people, like it was just said this morning, or uh, when Morris was saying, no, Christian said it. I'm really glad to see some of you today. (laughs) Him and all of you today. And so let's say we can't choose who's part of the family. That's God's Holy Spirit has done that. And so there might be some peculiar persons in our family. But what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to love one another. Encourage, build up. Who's doing that? Stop that. Someone's calling me on my phone at this time. Who would be doing that? Let's see who's calling me. It's uh, Peter. It's my friend Mahdi from Kurdistan. Let me just say him. Mahdi? Hi, I'm I'm preaching. I'm in church right now, and I'm talking to a bunch of people. So can I call you back later? No problem. I'll call you back. Okay, great. Hi, hi. No, Mari from Kyrgyzstan. He's lives here in town. He's a uh, well, well, what do you asylum seeker? Yep. yep. And so, yes. But so let us consider how we must spur one another on towards love. And good deeds. Love's an important thing; we all know that. But also encourage to good deeds. So again, we're not supposed to just talk it; we're supposed to walk it, and also encourage each other to it. Oh, wrong button. There we go. Let us oh, oh, back, 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 back. There we go. Let us not forsake the assembly together. Not giving up meeting together. See, you don't. I don't have to tell you people because you're here. But there's some people that should be here that aren't here. And so we need to encourage them. Go back to the passages before there. Let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. Well, let's spur our brothers and sisters to come and be a part of us. It's sort of like Sunday, the meeting, here is, in a good sense, like a big stew. Each of us are in this big pot, and we each bring something to it. So we all have different flavors and flavors. So what you have experienced during the week is part of this big stew. And so, what God wants us to all come together, and when he, He's cooking this on the pot, on the stove, and He lifts that up and goes, oh, that smells so good. That's what He wants us to come together as a fellowship, to be a community, to where we're, we, we put this, the ingredients in a community together because we're all participating. And so, we might be missing something. Oh, boy, that's sort of bland today. We need some horseradish. <laughs> You don't ever think of yourself being horseradish, but you might be, you know. And so, come and don't forsake us. And then let us encourage one another. But encourage one another. So, I have a letter I send out every week, and the one thing I say is, pray for one another. And so, I want you to just pray for them, but we also should encourage one another. So we're not supposed to be passive in our walk with Christ. We're supposed to be active. And so, Be salt and light in the world. We're supposed to be that, active. And what's really interesting, and all the more as you see the day approaching communion. We shared that. Do this until the Lord returns. We're always supposed to have this perspective in life that one day the Lord's coming. So we don't miss the purpose. We have the responsibility of living here and now. And being active. But we have to recognize that this world is not our home. Our home is with God. And we're eventually going to be with Him. And so we have to keep that perspective. So we have to keep our head up. And so make sure you don't forget the Lord is returning. Now, also in this particular passage, you can see three words. Faith, hope, and love. And so I did that because they're gonna have a conference in a couple of weeks. And this is faith, hope, and love. I did that for you, Christian. It's a commercial it's a commercial for the marriage conference. No, not really. But it's really it's important that this is one of the, these are three of the words that are really identified with we who are Christians. We want these to be a reality in our life. And so here in this little passage, that also in a sense sums up what the writer is trying to encourage us to have our faith, our hope and love in the right place. And that we do that. And I'm going to end with just a couple of quotes. Faith goes up the stairs that love has built and looks out of the windows which hope has opened. Faith goes up the stairs that love has built and looks out the windows, which hope has opened. That verse that Stephan just said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, that demonstrates God's love. Have you experienced God's love? And so in order to have it work, what we're talking about in this passage, to work, you have to have experienced God's love personally. It can't be just something, oh, i read about it, oh, I'm considering it, Oh no, you've received it and experienced it. And so once you've experienced God's love, then your faith is going to be able to go up that stair. Because the more and more you learn about how God loves you and what He's done for you, your your life is being built on that foundation. And so your faith increases and goes up. And then you have this hope that you're looking out these windows that God has provided. So that's, that's pertinent. Another one is, only when our greatest love is God... A love that we cannot lose even in death, can we face all things with peace? Grief was not well, was not to be eliminated, but seasoned and buoyed up by love and hope. Now, all of us experience decent seasons in life to where things go right, the right way, the wrong way, up, and down there's one, one uh, quote i didn 't put down, but it 's like we've not only received the faith and to be in the ship, to be right in the right course, but our boat that we're in, or the ship we're in, is able to withstand the sea, the stormy seas, up and down the waves, because we have a secure, and we're going the right direction. And so, only when our greatest love is God, Marius mentioned that. What is your greatest love? Myself? A lot of people, I know. But a lot of people have themselves as their God. Or they have something or some other person. But we're directed to put our love towards God. We're created to be in love with our Creator. That's how God created us. And so if our focus is somewhere else, if our heart's somewhere else, then we're missing out on what God's planned for us and what it has in store for us. So when, only when God is our greatest love is God... A love we cannot lose even in death. If we believe in God, He gives.